Hi, this is Donna Otto, and I'm so glad you joined us on Preparation Before Easter. And we've anchored our thoughts uh, this season on Matthew chapter 3, verse 3, where he says, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. And I am encouraging you to prepare your children's heart toward the Lord, toward the Lord, toward Easter. Easter is an unusual season. It used to be that everybody had Good Friday off at school, public and private. Of course, we know that it's been 30 plus years that we took prayer out of the schools. Doesn't mean that people aren't praying in the schools. Certainly they are. We no longer celebrate Good Friday. The stores are open. Easter, of course, all of the Sundays stores are open. Easter is about maybe a new hat, maybe is showing up, as a lot of pastors say, for the C and E Sundays, which is Christmas and Easter, when you give in to grandma and go to church with her, or you give in to your mom and dad and go to church with her. It may be a new dress, maybe ham for dinner, it may be the Easter bunny at the club or some place where the Easter bunny is passing out plastic eggs. It may be an Easter egg hunt, as the White House does. And all of these are the things that we think of when it comes to Easter. And I'm challenging us this year, as I do every year, and with increased fervor, I think, to look at what Easter is all about. And what we are doing is talking about preparing our hearts, preparing our hearts We've provided lots of resources. There's been a monthly calendar for the end of February, all of March, and there'll be one posted uh, for the 1st of April, giving you a small passage, one verse, and a concept for every day. We've encouraged you to get a candle and light it every morning. Even if you don't mark it down for 40 days, just, just light it and let the children light and blow it out as a reminder of, of this, this time. We provided all sorts of questions and uh, there'll be more information as the days proceed. Some tools and resources, preparation. We'll talk about how to prepare this thing called an Easter basket. I found a an very old-timey Miss Patty Cakes preschool playtime praise DVD and they're still available. Miss Patty Cakes C-A-K-E apostrophe S, eggs extravaganza, and um, it's all about eggs, and little children will just love it, and you might look and see if you can find it for your children. It is okay to put them in front of a DVD sometimes, especially if those are the information and pieces of encouragement for them. We've encouraged you to take a lot of activities, and you might consider some of them. I'm not sure exactly what day we gave you activities for your family, but tomorrow we're going to talk about some more of those. A paper chain, send an Easter card to a few people that you might love, get out a piece of purple fabric and put it out right now, and then when the week of weeks come, have a piece of black fabric somewhere. Maybe it's time to talk about the foot washing service that your family might do. And I think I mentioned to you to get a pin the tail on the donkey game right before Palm Sunday. So these are some ways to encourage your children. And yesterday, I was talking to you about the patience factor and the waiting factor, the centering on Jesus and being prepared for him to guide our days, knowing that we have prepared and done everything 
we need to do. Well, recently there was a big flurry, as there often is, and I think I can recall about this time last year when the Tiger Mama book came out, and it was written by an Asian woman, and she was interviewed and film clips and her book skyrocketed to the top of the top 10 books being sold in the country, and she was saying, I do this, and what she was doing was making her daughter practice three hours a day, and no sleepovers, and no movies, and and yet here was her 16-year-old daughter playing at Carnegie Hall, and the daughter was not upset in any way. There were lots of mamas who were saying, yeah, she's not upset right now, but wait till she turns 21. Well, here we are a year or so later, and out comes a book called Bringing a Bebe, or baby, bebe in French, by Pamela Druckerman. So I love these books. I love reading through them and posting along the way. Well, how much of this is really biblical perspective? And the concept of waiting is all throughout this book. I'm hard, she, she writes, I'm hardly the first to point out that middle-class America has a parenting problem. She's right about that. In hundreds of books and articles, this problem has been painstakingly diagnosed, critiqued, and named. Overparenting, hyperparenting, helicopter parenting, and my personal favorite, kindergarten. Kindergarten. Uh, it's a hard word to say because it's a new one to me. Kindergarten, as in hierarchy. And of course, the helicopter parenting came to me as, a, as an understanding when our godchild, who is now in medical school, went off to college and dis they discovered that there was an entire department dedicated to handling the parents of incoming freshmen. Uh, entire department, like three or four staff members. And, and of course, the parent they were talking about was the helicopter parent. One writer defines the problem as simply paying more attention to the upbringing of children can, that can possibly be good for them. Judith Warner calls it the culture of total motherhood. In fact, she uh, realized this was a problem after returning from France. Nobody seems to like the relentless unhappy pace of American parenting, least of all parents themselves. I was recently watching television and there was a special edition of some program that talked about the red shirt problem developed in America. And it is the problem of keeping your children back a year, primarily your sons, if their birthdays are on the cusp, so that the real reason, not that you want to keep them home so they mature or that you're going to invest in them more, but so that when they start kindergarten, they are nearly a full year older than all the other kindergartners. They're stronger and taller for sports. And this, these were interviews with mothers who were saying, yep, that's exactly right, because I'm all about my children having the advantage. Well, what I found in this book, and I didn't read the entire book, but I read the majority of it, was some very insightful things, and especially in this conversation we're having about teaching our children to wait, to be patient. Druckerman says that she had noticed when she got to France, and she's an American girl, and she and her husband moved to France because of work, and she discovers that she is pregnant. And instead of someone saying, are you pregnant? Or even, are you great with child? And they ask the question, are you waiting for baby? And 
she said the first time someone asked her that, she thought they thought she was sitting there by herself waiting for a child to return. Um, but waiting is the word they use for waiting, the nine months. Isn't it a starkly wonderful thing that God in his plan for us as women gave us nine months to prepare? It's more than just getting our rooms ready and the diaper spot. It's about our hearts and the ideas that this child is growing and alive within us. But when she gets to France, and now she is pregnant, she begins to see something with French children that she did not see with American children. She says they go into a restaurant with their own children, and they find that the American children need to be pacified and mollified and codified and more crackers. They make a terrible mess on the floor. They they cannot have a conversation as a parent with one another because they're totally consumed in keeping the child at bay, so to speak. And she said, it, one thing, they're investing it all. Why buy dinner when you're ha- having such a horrible time? The second thing is she said, she said they, they never seem to really quiet or mollify the child. And then she began to look around at French parents and she said she didn't see any of that. Now the whole structure of raising children is very different in France and I'm not giving credence to everything that the French do. But there were two words, uh, one which we've been talking about, and that's the word waiting, and the other was the word pause. And so she's been reading about this, and she says, my first intervention to say, when your baby is born, just don't jump on your kid at night, the specialist says. Give your baby a chance to self-soothe. Don't automatically respond, even from birth. And she said she was jolted by this, and she realized that French mothers and nannies did this thing called pausing. 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 Just exactly a little bit before tending to their babies during the day. It hadn't occurred to me that it was deliberate or that it was all significant. In fact, it had bothered me a little bit. I didn't think that you were supposed to make babies wait. Could this explain why French babies do their nights? And uh, she gives a whole long uh, explanation of the French calling do their nights, meaning they sleep through the night, and that she did quite a lot of research and discovered that French children do their nights in the early few months of their lives, unlike American children who are still getting up and waking up their children. I, I thought about that idea of the habit of waking up at night, and I've said this because it's absolutely still true. I'm still prone to it at my age. But I wake up in the middle of the night, and, and I think, hmm, I feel a little hungry. I think I'll go to the kitchen and have a bowl of raisin bread. <laughs> And I remember, oh, maybe 15 or 16 years ago, I was getting up every night having a bowl of raisin bread. And I realized with such clarity that it didn't matter that I was 50 years old, I was developing the same habit that I was teaching women to break in their children. They do not need to wake up at 10 months in the middle of the night. They're not hungry. It's a habit. And mamas are exhausted, and babies are, con- are beginning the early stages of, I want what I want when I want it, and get it to me now, and I don't have to wait for anybody, and if I buy more RAM, I'll get it faster. So Pamela goes on to talk about this pause. And you know, I think it's an art. I think it's a very important thing that we might practice in our own lives. Do you pause before you speak? 
Do you pause and think before you speak? Do you pause to let your child, to use Druckerman's word, self-soothe? Do you pause so that this child can fall back to sleep? How many times have you had that happen in your own life? You wake up and you think, oh no, I'm awake. It's three o'clock in the morning. And when you lay and wait patiently and ask the Lord to give you rest, you most often fall back to sleep. She goes on to say the pause when their babies were a few weeks old was a way they started. Before the wait and after the wait came the pause. She indicates that they just start doing the pause when they're a few minutes, a few weeks old. And then she says that not only do they teach them the pause, but they also teach them to wait and not just wait, but to wait happily. And as I read through this, I thought, that's exactly a biblical perspective. We are to regard others more importantly than ourselves, says Paul in the book of Philippians. In Romans, he says, outdo one another in offering preference. Outdo one another. Well, how is an infant child who wakes up and screams or stands in a store and cries or insists on what he wants when he wants it and gets it now, how is that learning, how is that teaching him to learn how to wait? We all wait. I have a line impairment. I wait at the store. And I'm asking you to consider what waiting patiently yourself and teaching your children to wait, what character strength it will provide in their lives. I would encourage you to look at Psalm 15, reading through that psalm and seeing the six or seven steps of the walk of integrity, the work of our actions, the speaking of our truth, the language of our honesty, the absence of evil, the acceptance of others and who they are and how they are and the tolerance for good and godly things. These are important things that we are teaching our children. And Psalm 15, I have written in all of my Bible, the Christian document on character. And part of that is learning to wait on the Lord, training our children to wait, and using Druckerman's French two concepts, pause, wait. Teach your children to pause and wait, and wait happily. They will find contentment in the Lord. They will find contentment in you, their parent. You will find pleasure in your children instead of an exhaustion that comes from giving them whatever they want, whenever they want it. I could go a lot further on that subject today, but I'm going to stop there for fear I might go to meddling. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day.